From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. A woman who allegedly told detectives she had wanted to become a serial killer faces murder charges and the deaths of two men in Anchorage earlier this month. Bail was set for $1 million for Brianna Starr Wasili on Tuesday. The state's online court record system did not show an attorney for Wasili as of yesterday morning. Wasili also faces a charge of misconduct involving a corpse. Assistant District Attorney Alice Kersey says the killings lacked a clear motive, but the Anchorage Daily News reports that Kersey also said that Wasili told detectives she had wanted to become a serial killer since she was a child. The Alaska U.S. Attorney's Office says a man has been sentenced to six months in prison for illegally selling big game guiding services. Stephen Jeremy Hicks signed a plea agreement last year pleading guilty to a Lacey Act violation. The document states that in 2018, Hicks sold and conducted a guided hunt and that the hunt took place on federally managed land. The office says Hicks was not permitted to operate on those lands and that he violated state provisions related to supervision of clients in the field. An office spokesperson says the final judgment in the case came last week. The city of Thorn Bay is looking at ways to get copper mine tailings removed from the Salt Chuck mine site. The site is an inactive former gold, silver, copper, and pedelium mine on Prince of Wales Island at the northern end of Kassan Bay. Operations at the site were suspended in 1941. The Salt Chuck Mine is designated as a Superfund cleanup site. The marine area nearby includes extensive tailings near the former mill. City Administrator John Hustis spoke to the City Council on Tuesday. I have had continuing conversations with the EPA on the Salt Chuck Mine tailings. Uh, <clears throat> they've sent me several of their past uh, fairly large documents. Um, documenting the cleanup efforts to date and um, there's quite a bit of information in there about these tailings that they're wanting to um, that they're considering um, as the last sort of element of the, the cleanup of that Superfund site. Houston says the priority is to test the solubility of copper at the site and says the tailings are sometimes submerged. The conversation with the Environmental Protection Agency is ongoing, he says. By way of continuing the conversation, um, we're, uh, I'm just waiting. They're keeping us as a possible alternative, and again, that would be um, some way to dispose of this on our landfill site, our 20-acre site out there in Goose Creek. Um, the opportunity I'm looking for, for the, from the city perspective would require some negotiations on, um, you know, how that, how that would go down and it, it, it needs to be favorable for the city. Houston says cleanup previously involved container ships headed to Washington state. In other matters, the city of Thorn Bay was recently unsuccessful in obtaining grant money for paving the road to Kassan, but the city is pressing on to find funding. Mayor Lee Berger posed this question to Hustis. The Kassan or the South Side Road might start seeing some pavement. That's a good question. We just recently put in for a grant a couple months back, but we found out we didn't get it, and that was that grant was going to be to pave the first three miles uh, from the Thorn Bay, the pavement out on the Thorn Bay Highway in 
which would put us about the end of where the the improved area that they that OBK's already reconstructed. We weren't successful in that, uh, but we're going to keep trying. There's another opportunity coming up here in a couple months with the state DOT for some additional funding, and we uh, the mayor can attest we were successful in getting some pretty high-level Southeast Region DOT folks down. They drove the road with us. We showed them what we're trying to do, and, you know, we got some buy-in on our plans there. All made their remarks during a City of Thorn Bay Council meeting on Tuesday. The City and Borough of Wrangell has signed a design contract for port and harbor surveillance cameras. According to the Wrangell Sentinel newspaper, the plan is to have surveillance cameras in operation at city dock and harbors sometime next year. The borough assembly last week approved a $90,000 design contract with Juno Base Respec to prepare plans for cameras, wiring, and server system to store the images. The total project is estimated at $983,000 with 409,000 already in hand from a pair of Federal Department of Homeland Security grants. The Wrangell Borough is applying for a third federal grant to help cover the cost. A small local match will be required. Respect's design work will take about 15 weeks, the company said in its bid for the borough contract. The assembly approved the contract on July 11th. The number of cameras will be determined in the design process. An Alaska mayor says an evacuation order for about 65 residents of a subdivision near the community of Anderson has been lifted. The evacuation order went into place on June 28th because of the clear wildfire burning near Anderson. Denali Borough Mayor Clay Walker says it was lifted Tuesday. The fire destroyed about 30 structures, but that includes just one year-round residence. Walker says other structures that burned included eight or nine cabins and other buildings, including sheds, garages, and a shipping container that held about $100,000 of building materials. Rain has helped tame the blaze, which was listed at 56% contained. Full containment was expected within the next 10 days. Rebecca Hemshute, a teacher and borough assembly member in Sitka, is running to fill Jonathan Christ Tompkins' seat in the State House of Representatives. She spoke to News of the North from London, England on Wednesday while on a family trip. There are a lot of really good reasons to run that right now. I think everybody can see a lot of things um, that we'd like to see done differently. And for me, the compelling reason to run is really twofold. One is, as a teacher, the children in my classroom kind of reflect to me how our community is doing. And I see our children struggling right now in ways that are more severe and more frequent than what we've had in the past. And that, to me, is a signal that our communities are not as healthy as they should be. Imshoot is pragmatic and optimistic about her chances to win. We need good, solid decision-making in Juno. So we need people to be willing to represent us who are, I like to call them pragmatic problem solvers. I think I'm one of those. So that's one reason. And then a policy reason that I want to run is I think the bipartisan coalition in the House has kept a voice for rural Alaska. And I think that voice is increasingly difficult to project in the noise of what's going on in Juno. A coalition house is Hemshute's hope in this year's election. Polling data shows a coalition Senate and a Republican House might be in the cards. Hemshute spoke to that. Well, obviously the job becomes harder 
if there isn't a coalition in the House or if I'm somehow not in a majority group. And so um, at that point, then it becomes a matter of making sure that our needs and our concerns are heard over and over and over again so that they can't be, even though they can't be fully ignored because we keep sort of biting at the apple and making sure that the needs of Southeast Alaska and all coastal communities are brought to the table over and over and over again. So it does Candidate Kenny Scaffoldstead is also running to fill Jonathan Christ Tompkins' seat in the House in Sitka. Sitka Borough Assemblymember Kevin Mosier has filed to run for Borough Mayor in Sitka. Mosier is in his second term on the Assembly and serves as the Vice Deputy Mayor. He spoke to News of the North about what he feels the Borough has accomplished during his time in office and why he's running. The reason why I'm running for Mayor um, is because I, I, I like where we are as a city, you know, notwithstanding all the things that are going out in the outer, you know, in the state and the country and, and things like that that we can't control, like inflation. I'm I'm happy with the way things are going, and I would like to kind of solidify, protect that direction, and unify the assembly and unify the city. And obviously, there's been things that have kind of uh, nationwide that have been very divisive, and I would like to shy away from that kind of thing and. and be a place uh, where we are agreed to disagree. Mosier says being on the assembly has been a growth experience for him. I've learned that there's more than just finances uh, to, to governing, and that's been a, uh, a growth uh, thing for me. But my primary concern um, on the assembly has, has always been uh, finances to try to help people make the cost of the burden of government, city government as low as possible on people, and it's not, it's proven to not be an easy task, but my main goal when getting on was to try to make sure, one, that we have good leadership at the city, um, because if you don't have good leadership, uh, you're, you know, you're not going to go anywhere, you're not going to succeed. Mosier, originally from New Jersey, was stationed in Sitka on the Coast Guard Cutter Woodrush. After leaving the Coast Guard, he decided to make Sitka his home. The Coast Guard Air Station Sitka Air Crew med- medically evacuated a man from the cruise ship Norwegian Encore in Chatham Strait on Monday. Coast Guard Sector Juno Command Center personnel received the request for assistance from the cruise ship crew at 5.48 a.m. on Monday, reporting that the 64-year-old male had been suffering from stroke-like symptoms since 4.35 that morning. The helicopter air crew arrived on scene at 7.27 in the morning and safely hoisted and transported the patient to awaiting emergency medical service personnel at the Mount Edgecombe Medical Center in Sitka. The patient condition was reportedly stable upon transfer to medical personnel. The top employees of the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation are some of the highest paid public workers in Alaska, but with wages rising across the country and employers competing for skilled labor, even the Permanent Fund is struggling to keep employees from leaving. Nine of the corporation's 66 employees have quit this year, including the manager of the corporation's highest earning investments and the entire three-person team in charge of finalizing trades. Seven other positions are new, and filling them is expected to be difficult. Dave Steeran with the governor's office spoke on the issue during the KINY Morning Show with Kelly Prez. The permanent fund division has about a 30, 33% vacancy rate in positions right now, so 
for people who are looking for a rewarding and challenging career in the world of government or the permanent fund division, applications are being taken now. So just like every restaurant, uh, hotel, cruise ship, what have you, uh, there are plenty of vacant positions in various departments in the state of Alaska, including the permanent fund division. Steeran added that jobs are available across many departments in the state. Meanwhile, Steeran gave this as an explanation as to why the PFD will go out early in September rather than August. Even when it, with a normal October distribution, there's anywhere from 25 to 35,000 applicants who get their checks late just because of waiting on additional documentation from them. When you, when you move that up, uh, like like we have, um, you you now have a larger pool of people that can, according to some estimations by the permanent fund division, double the the uh, number of folks who whose documentation we're still waiting either on or to process or we're waiting for some additional information to come back. And so the, the question is, well, why couldn't we have done it in August? August could have been anywhere from 65 to 95,000 people who wouldn't have gotten checks. And so we're reaching the point of diminished returns. Dave Steeran making his remarks on the KINY Morning Show. With corporate America offering unprecedented perks to attract new employees, public sector hiring managers are finding it very tough to compete. Especially hard hit, says ABC's Jim Ryan, is the United States military. COVID-19 gets some of the blame as the pandemic closed down the high school and college campuses where the armed forces do so much of their recruiting. Vice Chief of Staff General David Alvin says the Air Force has done slightly better than the other branches. We reduced our pilot shortage by 250 airmen, yet we still have over 1,600 pilot vacancies. The Army, meanwhile, has started offering $50,000 signing bonuses to qualified recruits who commit to a six-year enlistment. Jim Ryan, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.